Greetings, everyone. I'm excited to welcome Julian Green, CEO and co-founder of Headroom. Julian, welcome to the show. Hello, how's it going? Great, how are you doing today? Couldn't be better. Oh, awesome. Well, let's dive in here. So tell us a little bit about your background in SaaS. Absolutely. Well, uh, I've been doing uh, technology startups uh, now since uh, 98 here in San Francisco. And um, my first SaaS experience, uh, so, you know, that's five startups and then uh, some time at eBay and some time at Google uh, from uh, acquisitions of, of those startups. Um, so my first SaaS experience was in 2004. I don't know if it was called SaaS then, yeah. but uh, it was it was a... Uh, uh, eBay stores, which uh, was a subscription uh, service that would allow eBay sellers to collect all their items together and have a storefront and be able to market and sell their products. Uh, and um, then the next SaaS business that I ran was uh, called Pro Stores, and that was sort of the Shopify of its day. So um, that was to help people uh, sell items on their own websites and then to manage the different uh, e-commerce channels, sort of multi-channel e-commerce, so that they could manage inventory and they could you know, design their store and take payments and do customer service. And so really uh, top to bottom e-commerce storefront solution. And, you know, the previous uh, generation of that was Paul Graham's, you know, Y Combinator, Paul Graham's uh, via web, which Yahoo had bought, and uh, that became Yahoo Stores. So uh, Pro Stores took over from Yahoo Stores shortly after launching. We were, you know, the number one store solution. So that was that was a lot of fun. And, um, you know, since then, I've uh, been doing uh, a bunch of different uh, businesses, some, some SaaS, uh, and then uh, a lot of uh, AI uh, driven businesses at Google and Google X uh, and a bunch of uh, consumer apps. And so mm -hmm. I've done a bunch of, different, bunch of different things, but I love what I love about SaaS is if you give people what you want, then you see that come through in users and, and, and revenue, which is very rewarding. Well, yeah, long career and we can say, yeah, I don't know if, yeah, we called it SaaS in 04, not sure, but yeah, definitely a long run in technology here. And, and your background, is it in sales, marketing, management, uh, uh, technical, what, what's your background when you, you first started in technology? So, you know, by training, was an engineer, went into consulting, then uh, in technology, started off in business development uh, and then running sales forces and then broadened out into uh, running revenue lines, uh, including marketing product. And since then, uh, yeah, general management, but yeah. uh, always on the business side. And then at Google, um, fairly technical product management. Okay, okay. And then tell us about Headroom. You just raised some money, but tell us about what, a little bit about what Headroom does. Absolutely. So we have all been on quite a few virtual meetings lately. And we're using, you know, 1990s technology uh, largely. And so, what we're trying to do is uh, solve the problem of fun and efficient virtual meetings. Uh, and that's what Headroom does. It's a video conferencing and meeting uh, tool, uh, and it helps you have both better meetings uh, by trying to put back the humanity of the the real world experience. From I want to put my hand up. I just put my hand up. Yeah. You can see. I want to tell you I like what you're doing. I just give you a thumbs up. So just making it much more natural. 
having a real-time transcript so you know you're not missing anything, having the ability to easily note without typing like a maniac, and um, also getting feedback on how much people are speaking, uh, various people are speaking so you can be inclusive. And so that's for better meetings. And then what's interesting is after the meeting, you get an automatic replay, automatic uh, transcript, automatic notes, uh, automatic highlight reel. Um, so you don't, you know, no one ever has an hour to go back and look at their hour meeting that they missed. So instead you get a six minute highlight reel where you can just answer that question, what happened in the meeting? And, um, and so um, what we find, what's interesting with Headroom is that people are going to fewer meetings. So we want people to have fewer, better meetings and they're watching them later, just like treating a meeting like a webinar. And um, they are sharing meetings with other people who need to know about them. So you get far fewer, uh, you know, meeting, uh, in meetings you get far fewer people who are just watching and listening. And you actually have people who are contributing. And then the other people can make use of that meeting information by searching it, sharing it, reviewing it in, a, in an efficient way. So no longer do you have to go to meetings just to find out information, but you know, the meeting information can come to you. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Right. Because normally I, for those listening, I record this on zoom. We switched from zoom to headroom. So we're doing this right now on headroom, which is really interesting and seeing the real tra time transcripts. So as a, say a layman in this technology, it seems like it's making, like you said, making meetings more efficient and just smarter in general. Yeah, I mean, I used to sit there in meetings and, and, you know, literally try and sort of take down verbatim, you know, what mm -hmm. people were saying. And mm -hmm. now, as you can see, I, I opened the transcript on the right and it is uh, transcribing in real time what I'm saying. If I pop out and come back, I can go back and look. Uh, if I didn't understand what someone said because they had an accent, sometimes the transcript will, <laughs> will be able to help me with that. And then if you open the notes at the middle of the bottom, you can then just click on something that was said uh, in the transcript and it, and it makes a note of it. Uh, mm -hmm. So this is a shared note. So instead of having three different documents open with your materials and your notes and the video screen, instead you have everything all in one place. Interesting, because yeah, I'm taking notes as we go through this, but you're saying really it can take the notes as it goes, or you know, the transcript and maybe you can tag things and then you've got, you have it, you can pay attention to the meeting versus trying to scramble and, and take tech notes yeah we have this concept of sort of like you know freeing people from the keyboard right so hands-free mm -hmm. hands-free meetings and you you know part of the problem with zoom fatigue is you're by you're an arm's length from a person's face which is a very unnatural <laughs> a natural way to live your life and so uh if you don't have to touch the keyboard anymore uh or do so much less frequently then you don't you're not stuck you know an arm's length way you can be a bit more free and move around and you know the day is less tiring mm -hmm. And then, you know, the other bit in meetings is if you click on the bottom left, there's a little eye. I can see in real time that I'm doing most of the talking, which I guess in an interview is okay. Yeah. Um, but uh, in bigger meetings, uh, you know, I might notice that, oh, interesting that Ben hasn't had a chance to voice his opinions and that's important. And so uh, I can, in real time, make my meetings better. There are a lot of products that will take a recording of a meeting and give you analytics like gong or chorus and they'll say you know you should have listened more you're a salesperson 50 percent of the time you should probably be listening to the customer yeah. and you go oh I, I you know like this okay here's my favorite emoji the, the face bump but um i should have i should have again i should have listened more but actually with headroom it's like a real time you know gong you can uh, react in real time yeah no really interesting as a cfo i'm kind of a student of sales and marketing and product market fit so 
how you know, what what is the the market reaction feedback from prospects when you see this because right we know like zoom right took off during the pandemic others teams all that stuff and just huge growth and now everybody you know is on some sort of conferencing platform so how what kind of reaction are you getting from folks as you push this out there and it's a say another platform obviously it's different but what, what's that feedback that you're getting yeah, it's really interesting. Uh, Zoom became sort of the default, you know, name and verb and, you know, you Zoom each other, right? And so uh, it's got great brand awareness and all those people who are forced online by COVID, you know, what shall I use? I guess I'll use Zoom. And mm -hmm. it's, they made it pretty easy to get online. What uh, to get, uh, you know, on a video conference um, and see and hear each other with good quality. We think that the next stage is having smarter meetings. So we're not just sending pixels, but we're you know helping people make sense of them, just like humans do in, in real life. And so the reaction from people is, well, you know, I know Zoom uh, and I'm trying this something new. What is really interesting is the people who have been using Zoom to look at recordings or to look at transcripts or to try and get analytics uh, of their meetings. So who are already interested in smarter meetings usually you're having some frustrations. So moving big media files around is a pain in the, you know, and um, you run out of storage and it's expensive. And um, and then, you know, the transcripts aren't great. Uh, you know, we do a lot of work to make them as accurate as possible. And so what we're finding is people who are interested in going back to look at meeting information already hungry for a new solution. So they're very eager to try something new. Um, and once they do, and they, you know, if it, if it works for them, then they're believers, which is great. So, you know, a lot of people know Zoom, like Zoom, but nobody says video conferencing is solved, you know, meetings are solved. You know, I, I don't need to have better meetings. Right? Yeah, I could imagine. First, it's like, all right, yeah, we've got to get on a platform now in the pandemic. And now it's like, gosh, we live in these platforms now and there's got to be a better way, I'm guessing. So, yeah, really interesting. There has to be a better way. And, you know, some of the interesting groups, you know, salespeople love this. If a salesperson wants to transfer a customer to customer success, they need a, a cloud, you know, video permissions way to do that. And, and you know, that that's made easy on Headroom. You know, user research interviews or recruiting interviews, um, agencies, you know, uh, maybe even, you know, fractional you know, CFOs mm -hmm. who have a lot of clients and want to monitor a lot of conversations don't have someone to help them, you know, take notes or organize their follow-ups. Those people are the, are the, you know, the hungriest for smarter meetings. Yeah. Yeah. I can see a lot of use cases there. So yeah, totally get it. So tell us a little bit about the company. So when were you founded? When did you start? So we started this just before COVID. Oh, great timing. <laughs> and uh, in 2020, we raised 5 million in 20, uh, July, 2020 from Gradient, which is Google's uh, AI fund, uh, and from uh, LDV, uh, a computer vision uh, focused uh, fund, and from uh, Jerry Yang through uh, Murado Ventures, Naming Cloud. Uh, and then in, and then we essentially built the product uh, over a you know, year and a half. Uh, and we've been piloting it with a bunch of people uh, and on the basis of getting to, uh, you know, knowing that we had the right product for the right users, we then raised, just raised a $9 million round. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, we raised that from Equal Opportunity Ventures and then all of our existing uh, investors and some, some angels. Um, and so we're now at uh, 14 people um, and we've added 
with the latest funding, uh, we've added a business team to what was largely a product and engineering team. Uh, and uh, so we're super excited now with this round and with this team to get the message out of this product that can help you have better meetings. Yep. And then you're based in San Francisco. Is the team based in San Francisco or is it remote? So we've been fully remote from day one. We've never had an office. Uh, and we have people, uh, interestingly, we've stuck to the uh, North America time zone. Uh, okay. Or I would say the America's time zone. So we have people across the US. Uh, we have people in Canada. We have people in Mexico. We have uh, someone in Colombia. Um, and we find that this scale that helps um, with people in similar time zones helps us have enough overlap that we can, without too much uh, management, can get enough time with each other uh, every day. And as a company trying to solve uh, virtual meetings for remote workers, uh, you know, we live remote work every day. Uh, and we have all the same problems, and you know, we. We, you know, we use the same technology stack. And so uh, we feel that's a great fit for what we're trying to do. And we really believe in the future of remote work. Um, mm -hmm. And obviously there's times when you want to get together, we, we travel to, to meet up and socialize and form relationships. And uh, mm -hmm. that's really important. But the no commute, you live in the Bay Area, or yeah, you, know, the, you know the commute here, right? And so, or you, you've been to the Bay Area. Just a bit of traffic, right? Yeah. yeah. And so, uh, we believe strongly in, in remote work, so we're fully remote. Okay, yeah, that makes complete sense. And so as far as revenue, are you still in kind of that uh, testing phase? Are you, uh, do you have revenue now or pre-revenue? Where, where are you there? So we're still not charging for the product. We're, okay. it, we, you know, we're post-pilot. Uh, it's generally available. Uh, we haven't started large-scale marketing efforts. That's going to happen okay. in the next couple of months. And then we plan to charge in the new year. Um, and uh, build the business uh, as we scale. Okay. And then, so you mentioned, how much have you raised? Is it the 5 million plus the nine, so 14 in total capital? I can see why you're a CFO. Ah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Some simple math there. So, and were those, would you, like, was it like, was it, would you consider it like a pre-seed and seed or seed and series A or just, hey, we raised So we called them seed and seed plus. I, I okay. think, you know, an A is more when you're earning revenue. And so yeah. we don't think we're, we're quite there yet. If you think about what we built and the opportunity, it's, we've been relatively ambitious. So we've built a combination of Zoom, Slack, you know, Google Calendar, um, Otter for transcripts, uh, you know, YouTube for business videos. Uh, and so we've really created a all in one place, um, SaaS product, mm -hmm. um, across everything you need for a good meeting. Okay. Yeah. I like that. And so 14 million raised deploying that building out a biz team, uh, next or in the process, start charging next year. And you know, what, you know, a little different. You know, I, I interviewed someone who had a no-code platform, and they raised you know forty billion with no revenue, but a little different, right? Build the community and then monetize that community later. Yeah. And so, what, like, what was your fundraising strategy with this to to try to raise? You know, where you're building the product first, then testing versus like kind of seeing if you can monetize it. You know, so what what was your philosophy towards these raises? Yeah, I mean, I I think it's really important when you raise money to know what you're trying to achieve with it and for you and the investors to be on the, on the same page. A lot of 
problems happen when, <laughs> when what they thought you were going to do, what you thought you were going to do, yeah. are not the same thing. Um, so, you know, we're very specific on, on the milestones we're trying to achieve. Uh, essentially, the first um, uh, round that we raised was on the back of a prototype. And the goal was to uh, turn that prototype into a product and demonstrate that uh, someone liked it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, you know, we did that. Uh, and then this round we just raised, uh, the goal is to demonstrate that we can acquire and retain users uh, at a scale that is interesting enough to believe that you should then do a series A. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. And then you've been in the tech world for a long time now. And for the founders, say finance teams listening out there, you know, any, any fundraising lessons or tips and tricks on the, along the way? I love, you know, what you just said about, you know, making sure you're aligned with those investors as far as what milestones you're trying to achieve with that investment. You know, this recent uh, seed plus round, you know, now demonstrate that we can have a repeatable sales process, acquisition process between those customers. So anything that, you know, what, what, what do you, you would like to share around tips and tricks that might help founders in the audience? Yeah, I mean, sort of, you know, the cliche is always be raising. Um, and, uh, you know, you're really, you, you are as a founder of the company's number one salesperson, both for customers and for recruits and for uh, investors. And so um, what is interesting as, you know, this is my fifth startup is how rapidly the both the investing environment can change, but then also specifically to what you're doing, how you know rapidly what people think of that can get more positive or more negative, right? And so, mm-hmm. you know, you mentioned no code. No code is something that is very interesting to people right now. It seems like a you know a good a good time in the technology cycle for you know no code approaches. And so um, they're they're being able to raise you know a bunch of money. We're, we're fortunate in the one way or another, COVID has made virtual meetings at the very center of everybody's life. So um, mm-hmm. the the biggest problem you have as a startup is people ignoring you and not paying attention. So we, we have no problem with, with folks ignoring us. Everyone's interested in what we're doing. But yeah. you, you still have to be opportunistic because um, the environment can change, obviously, from the end of uh, 2021 to the, the start of 2022. You know, valuations were off, you know, 30%. And um, LPs were telling VCs to uh, not invest and to keep their powder fresh because they were going to need it to extend the life of their existing investments. And so, um, you know, that's a pretty dramatic change in environment and you're going to get those every so often so you've got to you've got to stay ahead you know you never want to get you know three months to go and uh, you're in a crunch and uh, then uh, you know you get you have some uncomfortable conversations so um, and then you know the other thing that's interesting is we talked about milestones is mm-hmm. what people perceive as a milestone so you sort of have to have a pulse you sort of it would be great to have a group of people who you're saying hey I just did this is that interesting I just did this is that interesting and then, you know, you might find it's like, oh, yeah, you know, that, that sounds like a great milestone. You know, maybe you're ready for the next the next phase. So um, sort of a constant conversation where you're communicating what you're up to and having feedback from the market on whether that's enough to have someone give you some money. Yeah, <laughs> love it. Uh, yeah, great, great advice, tips and tricks, you know, with your long career in tech. Uh, and then tell us as we wrap up here, what's what's next uh, for your company? What's what's uh, exciting uh, that's coming up for you guys? 
Yeah, well, um, you know, on the total business side, uh, we talked about that phase of acquiring and retaining customers mm-hmm. at scale. So a bunch of marketing uh, and, um, and communication with customers, uh, a team working with customers uh, on the customer support side and helping make them successful. You know, we're a PLG go-to-market, so um, sort of the, the PLG uh, playbook. Um, we do have whole organizations we're observing joining rather than, you know, just users. Cause obviously mm-hmm. in many cases, people do meetings with other people in their company. And so we need to think a little bit more about, um, you know, how to handle, uh, teams and organizations as well as individual users, which is a sort of a natural mm-hmm. progression for a, a PLG, uh, SaaS company. At some point, you know, I think adding sales would make sense, but you know, we mm-hmm. sort of want to sort of want to push ourselves to make sure that we can um, make the product uh, experience and onboarding compelling for individual users uh, and then and then scale it up. Okay, and, and right, PLG, you know, very hot right now, or a lot of talk at least about PLG or product-led growth. So with your kind of playbook, invest in marketing, invest in that funnel, don't really need those sales reps talking to people yet, but getting people into the product and, and pushing them through uh, expansion within your product. So I think, I think of Atlassian when I think of this, you know, they, they have, uh, what they think of as, uh, you know, inside sales, um, you know, what they're doing is they're helping people who are signed up or active to their product become way more active, right. And maybe growing Mm. through those organizations. And so, um, I think that's, mm-hmm. you know, the, the I, I think of, you know, customer success. I, I think of salespeople, you know, as customer success people mm-hmm. in some ways, right? And so um, I think that's people who've already said, hey, I'm interested in your product. You know, you want them to be as successful as you possibly can, right? Mm-hmm. That's first step. And then those who don't yet know about your product or, or haven't yet elected that they're interested, you know, that's more the outbound, uh, you know, enterprise sales mm-hmm. uh, motion. I think that comes after that. Uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Really interesting, right? People, you know, addressing PLG in a different way. So, so love to love that insight. I mean, there. it's pretty clear the sales adds to, you know, your, your activity. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it's good Atlassian, you know, has this discipline where, you know, if they, if they force themselves to make existing customers successful first, then that really drives, you know, your product uh, priorities. And especially when you're small, I mean, it can be company making to have a really good customer take you in a particular direction, but it, it can mm-hmm. also you can also chase you know stuff that uh, that doesn't work out. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. All right, uh, so as we wrap up here, Julian, really appreciate the time and telling us about Headroom and your story. And if people want to learn more about Headroom, where is the best place for them to look online? You can go to www.goheadroom.com. Go H-E-A-D-R-O-O-M.com. And that's where you can learn about the product and then you can just sign up for free and try it in the browser, no download required. Uh, and we'll be happy happy to help you uh, if you need. That's perfect. So go to goheadroom.com. And for those people watching this video right now, we're actually recording this on Headroom, which is great. So Julian, really appreciate the time. Thank you for sharing your SaaS story. My pleasure. Thank you, Ben. All right, thanks a lot. See ya.